Coming to you live from the Media Skywalk at the University of Ottawa, this is CHUO FM Afternoon and welcome to a special edition of In Transition. My name is Randy McElligot. This afternoon I will be chatting with guitarist Lloyd Gregory. But let's start things off with uh, another great guitarist, Jim Hall, with I Can't Get Started.
music from Jim Hall with I Can't Get Started. You know, over the years, there have been many guitarists who uh, delivered a smooth, soulful, melodic, flowing, and even immediately likable sound and seducing listeners along the way. You know, names that come to mind include uh, Wes Montgomery, uh, Barney Kessel, Kenny Burrell, George Benson, Earl Kluge, and even uh, Larry Carlton. Well, you can add one more to that list, and his name is uh, Lloyd Gregory. Lloyd has been a popular musician on the San Francisco Bay Area music scene for several decades, and he has an instrumental sound that may be the epitome of smooth, but it also contains subtle elements of classic soul music due to his early career as an R&B performer, especially the years that he spent touring extensively while serving as musical director for the ballads, Natural Four, and even Jesse James. I had a chance to uh, chat with Lloyd Gregory, and and, uh, this is how it went down. Hi, Lloyd. Welcome to the show. Hi, Randy. How you doing? Thanks for inviting me up here. Lloyd, uh, which musicians influenced your style of playing? Uh, A lot of different musicians influenced my style of playing. Uh, I listened to R&B, blues. You know, I started out listening to uh, Bo Diddley, you know. Stuff like that, and Chuck Berry. And, uh, you know, then uh, the blues guitar players, uh, the jazz guitar players, Wes, Kenny Burrell. And then I listened to, uh, I grew up in in, uh, in the, the orchestra in school, so I listened to a lot of music, and uh, they played jazz at, at the house where I, where I lived, so in the, in the neighborhood. So I listened to all of that stuff. What was it about their playing that you liked so much? Well, I guess I said something about Bo Diddley. I, I liked his playing because uh, it was fast. You know, he used a lot of uh, rhythmic stuff, and that was kind of cool for me. And then I listened to jazz. Like, I uh, listened to Kenny Burrell when he was with Jimmy Smith, and I just kind of liked the way it flowed. You know, I, I guess at that point in time, as a child, I didn't know what it was about the playing that I liked. I just liked the music. Do you remember the first concert that you ever attended? I was lucky enough to see Duke Ellington at Grace Cathedral in San Francisco. I found out later that that was history that I had gone to see. I had just come to California, and a friend of my mother's knew that I was a musician and took me to see Duke Ellington, and uh, I will always thank her for that. That was a, a wonderful experience.
you're writing, does it take you long to complete a composition? Uh, do ideas come to you quickly or do you have to labor over them? Uh, when writing, sometimes they just come to you. They're, I guess they're called psychic hits or psychic pops. They just bang and, and you have this idea. Other times, um, something inspires you to write something. Maybe you fell in love or maybe you decided you really disliked something that somebody did to you and the, the tension and the frustration created something for you to write about. And then sometimes you really have to work at it because there's nothing there and you got to get it done. So then you have to sit down and architecturally put it together, you know, write by, okay, this chord goes with this chord. And this chord follows that. And then you got to go to the five chord. And then you come back to the one. You know, Art Blakey and Miles Davis are two very good examples of um, individuals who had a knack of surrounding themselves with younger musicians in their bands. And this not only kept the music fresh, but but kept them young as well. And I think that the music was all the better for it. Um, Lloyd, do you have any uh, comments uh, about this? Well, basically, that's the way I live my life. You know, uh, most of the musicians really like playing with me because of the fact that I want them to play. A lot of band leaders want their musicians to sit back and lay in the pocket or don't play too much or something. And uh, when I get a new musician, it, it takes him a while to learn that I want him to play and open up and, you know, enjoy. He's got to enjoy it. He's got to play. He's got to use his ideas. He's got to use his technique. He's got to use his skills. And they usually have fun. They're usually sweating after the end of the first song. But, you know, uh, that's the way I live. You know, everybody brings their ideas. Everybody comes and has fun. That's what music is about. It's not about sitting back and playing real straight no they got to go you know i we we play and everybody gets to express themselves that's very important because when people get to express themselves they play good and uh then we have a good time and the people enjoy it did music come naturally to you when you were growing up yeah my mother said i used to scoot to the radio before i could walk so yeah I, music has been part of my life since before i could understand what was going on that's yes really natural why did you decide to play the guitar don't have a clue just like the guitar i was playing piano at the time and i played trombone and i played drums and i was playing cello and i did most of my playing coming up on cello so i guess guitar was just a natural uh instrument to come next but really why i started playing guitar don't have a clue when you were growing up what music did you listen to i remember when i was a little bitty baby on my grandmother's lap she used to listen to the everly brothers i remember jerry lee lewis i remember uh, the beatles i remember jimmy smith i remember wes montgomery kenny burrell uh, like I said, Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry and and on up. I listen to music all the time. So everything that was on the radio, whatever station someone else was listening to, I heard that. I grew up with it. You know, I still listen to it. I have to ask you, Lloyd, were both of your parents musical? Uh, my dad's family <clears throat> uh, was uh, very musical. My aunt played in the church and his sisters were... Um, singing in the choir. My granddaddy was a preacher, so uh, they were singing, and I found out when I went back to Indianapolis where they were, that uh, they were pretty famous as gospel singers in that area. 
my mom was a kindergarten teacher, or let me think, well, she was nursery school teacher then, and she used to play the piano for the kids. You know, little songs like... Stuff like that. She would play all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, yeah, there was music uh, around me. How did your CD, Free Fallen, come about? Was that the song or the album? Uh, the album came about because uh, I, w I had a, a, a chance to record, and I went in and started recording. And I just kept recording and recording and recording and recording until... I had enough songs to eliminate some, and then the Free Falling album came out. As far as the song Free Falling now, I had a friend of mine, a vocalist, a dynamic vocalist. Her name is Margot. I told her I wanted to come in and do some background vocals on uh, a couple of my songs. Well, for some reason, singers just can't come in and sing without coming up with words. So she listened to the tune and started coming up with these words, and she started talking about, I'm falling, free falling. So, you know, after that, the song had to be called Free Falling. I couldn't call it Jump Start after she's hollering free falling. So that's how it came to be free falling. Lloyd Gregory from his uh, latest release, Free Fallen, and we just heard I Loves You, Porgy. And before that, we heard some music from Duke Ellington playing the piano there on Lotus Blossom. My name is Randy McElligot, and you're listening to In Transition on CHUO FM 89.1, and we're also streaming live on the internet at www.chuo.fm. Okay, Lloyd, 10 recordings that you'd bring with you. Uh on a desert island. I know this might be tough to only pick 10, but um, try and see if you can pick out just 10 recordings that you would really, really love to bring with you if you ever were stranded on a desert island. 
I think uh, starting with number one would be Electric Ladyland by Jimi Hendrix because one side of that album uh, is just something to kick back, kick back and relax. And then there's the other side where he does uh, Voodoo Child, Slight Return, I think it is. Every time I used to go to a gig while I was getting dressed, I'd always play that so I'd be charged up and pumped up to go to the gig. So that would be it. And then uh, Black Orpheus by Louis Bonfa who's a guitarist, uh, writer from Brazil. And uh, that was a CD that, or it was an album that I grew up. I don't even know where I found it, but this song right here. I used to love that song. Oh, I used to love this song. Anyway, and then there's a, there was a series of albums by uh, Lorenda Almeida, Brazilian guitarist, and Paul Horn, a, a, I think he was a alto saxophone player. They were, they were a series, three albums called Brazilians, and I used to listen to those all the time. They were just lovely, uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, melodic uh, songs, and uh, God, I haven't heard anything about that in a long time. And then something by Django Reinhardt. You know, gotta have some Django. And then Tony Braxton's first album. I love that. She just floats with the music. She's just very gifted. And I've always liked that album. Uh Oscar Peterson's My Favorite Instrument, which is a solo C D that he did. And that's just an incredible piece of work. And any of the Oscar Peterson albums with him playing live with his band in a with an audience, he's cause he's slamming. And then uh, there's a Robbie Robertson CD, uh, the one with Aaron Neville. Is like he just Robbie Robertson was a leader of a group called the Band, which was Bob Dylan's group, and uh, I think he was a leader of the band. Uh, and his his recording technique is so lush and rich. And uh, that particular CD with um, Aaron Neville on it is just. An incredible piece of sonic work. And then uh, one of my favorite albums is uh, Secret Story by Pat Metheny. I think they won a Grammy for that one. Uh, I forgot what year it was, but I always wanted to do something like that. It's just a really uh, well put together and produced piece of work. And then I guess to round it out would be Graceline by Paul Simon. Uh, that's really rich and with, um, how do you say, um, really good songs, really heartfelt music. And uh, I, I've always liked Paul Simon's work, and that particular album is just really, 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 really rich. Any other instruments that you play besides uh, the guitar? Yeah, well, my main instrument is guitar, and then uh, there's this other instrument, it's called a TV, and man, you know, you turn those knobs. <laughs> I love the television. Of all the recordings that you've made over the years, what is your most uh, satisfying one to date? My new CD, uh, Free Fallen. I love it. It was the first CD that I've done that I actually use the guys in my band. Uh, I have different units that I use, and I was able to get each unit complete on a song uh, in on on the CD, and we all came together and kind of put the songs together, and it was a bunch of fun, and people get a chance to hear my group finally.
that you get on your guitar uh, reminds me of a, a nice blend of Earl Klug, uh, Wes Montgomery, and even George Benson. Um, how did you get to that particular sound that you've got now? Would, did that take many years, or, or was there anything special that you did or incorporated uh, into your playing? Well, first of all, thanks for the compliment of putting my name or, or relating me to Earl Clue and Wes Montgomery and George Benson, some of the greatest guitar players. And uh, like Earl Clue is one of the most sensitive guitar players I've ever heard. And Wes, his lyrical uh, 
ability, his his phrasing is incredible. And George Benson's about the, well, he's about probably the best guitar player on the planet. So thanks for that. That's, you know, what can I say to behind that? Uh, as far as my sound, uh, my tone, I had my guitar worked on by my guitar tech, and he put some pickups in there, and I asked him, well, what's it going to do? Uh, why? What are these pickups going to do? And he said, well, they're going to make people think you can play. So I'll give him credit for that.
In case you're just joining us, my name is Randy McElligot and you're listening to In Transition on CHUO-FM 89.1, coming to you live from the Media Skywalk at the University of Ottawa. And this, af- this afternoon we have a special guest, San Francisco jazz guitarist Lloyd Gregory and his new album, Free Fallen. If you want to pick it up, uh, you should be able to pick that up in your nearest a CD store, or you can order it online. If you do a Google search for Lloyd Gregory, you'll uh, come to his webpage and you can order it directly from there. We just heard uh, some music from Bob James and Earl Klug from 1979. It was taken from their album One on One, and we heard I'll Never See You Smile Again. That was written by Earl. And uh, before that, we heard Round Midnight, and that's a version uh, taken from Lloyd's album Free Fallen. You know, I've always held the belief that as people grow older, most people tend to lose that ability of feeling the freedom of a child. And along with that, the creativity and uh, the sense of discovery. And I was just wondering uh, if you had any comments on that uh, uh, regarding music and, and just the, uh, the whole art form of uh, creativity. You know, I have a phrase that I use all the time. I'll grow older, but I'll never grow up. And that just says it right there. There's something else that I want to run by you, Lloyd, and that's the idea of um, when you create and you have ideas, it seems as though if you have an idea that's basically floating as opposed to rigid, you leave yourself wide open to more possibilities, and this in turn... Uh, enhances the uh, ability to create, uh, innovate, and uh, make some beautiful music. On my guitar case, I have a sticker I found that says, Normal people worry me. Um, whenever you have an idea or something in your mind that is new, it's, it's well known among my friends that you kind of keep it to yourself and work with it and keep the people around you that are creative because the normal people, the naysayers, will always uh, smash smash your fresh ideas. And whenever you try to do something new, you want to kind of hold on to it because it's like a baby, you know, that's still in the womb. It's not strong enough to take the criticisms of the naysayers. So you have to keep it close to your heart. And like I say, normal people worry me, you know, these people that are so st- duck on what they think it's supposed to be and they can't see past their own uh, little um, cliche existence but those are the people that think they're grown I guess cause the kids people that are grown still got the kid going on so I don't know what to say about that but I guess that's what I said Do you prefer uh, performing or writing material? I love it all Is there any particular setting that you enjoy um, one over the other, for example, maybe solo, duo, um, a group um, a group ensemble, or even orchestral? I like playing in all settings. I love playing in a group, and I love playing solo. Do you prefer touring outside of the United States? You know, if the music is good, uh, all the audiences are appreciative. Um, 
I've got good response here in the United States, great response in Europe, great response in Japan. Um, I mean, most audiences, if the music's good, they are appreciative. They might appreciate it in a different way, but once you get to understand how they are digging it, it's all beautiful. I'd like to feature something off of uh, Free Fallen. Uh, what would you like to hear? Uh, I'd like to have you play Maya. Go something like this. Maya's my daughter, and uh, I used to call her Doodle. And on my last CD, well, Doodles are things that I, you know, things that like a. And I, I always, you know, have them on the secondary guitar and on, on tracks a lot of times. And uh, on my solo CD, I had a couple of uh, little things inserts called doodles doodle one and two where i just played guitar and you know just kind of let it float so this cd i played another doodle i used to call her doodle when she was a little baby and uh, this one this was going to be doodle number three and i you know played it and then i uh, played guitar on top of it and then sent it down to my nephew who does movie soundtracks to, to arrange a string score around it but now that Doodle's older, her name is Maya, so like we just named it after her because it was supposed to be a Doodle.
Lloyd, I'm going to throw some names your way, and I just want you to uh, briefly comment on each one of them. Let's start with Duke Ellington and uh, guitarist Grant Green. The Duke. Uh, what can you say about the Duke? Um, one thing that I learned from the Duke is that he wrote the music for the band based off of the players in the band. And that's kind of something that I follow. I, I let the band do what is comfortable for them and then create the music around that. And that seems to work better than trying to make the band play what you came up with because it might not be comfortable for those players. And Duke knew that secret, and it's really a good one. As far as Grant Green, I grew up listening to Grant Green. Uh, and then when I started playing in big bands, uh, they tell me to comp like Grant Green, you know. That's Grant Green kind of playing. What about the great pianist Bill Evans? Uh, Bill Evans is a pianist. Uh, I never really listened to him. Here's one for you. One of the trailblazers on the guitar, the great uh, Charlie Christian. Charlie Christian now. Um, Charlie Christian was one of the first electric guitar players. He and uh, T-Bone Walker, I think, they came around the same time. Except Charlie Christian was jazz and T-Bone was blues. But they kind of started the electric guitar thing. Before that, it was all acoustic guitar. And what about Bud Powell? Uh, Bud Powell is awesome. He's just fantastic. His his chops were just incredible, you know. Um, Are there any older recordings that you might uh, listen to that would give you maybe ideas or inspiration in playing or uh, composing? Uh, once in a while, I kind of listen to old stuff if I, you know, if, if I feel like it. Uh, you know, you go through periods of time where certain things you want to hear, certain other things you might want to hear at this time. So depending on my state of mind or my mood, I'll listen to different things and old stuff, new stuff, uh, stuff from different genres. And um, if, I, if I feel that way, you know, if I'm melancholy, I might listen to some... You know, uh, Alice Coltrane or something, you know. What's your take on the current state of popular music? You know, it's interesting. Uh, when uh, that music that you're speaking of was being played, the older people were saying that that wasn't good music because the music they grew up listening to was the real stuff. And uh, times change, you know. People, uh, they create things. The younger people create things. And... Uh, it was interesting. I was in the studio with Shock G, who's the leader of Digital Underground, and he was doing what you call sampling now. And he was taking stuff and putting it together, man. And when I looked at him and realized what he was doing, it was genius. I'd never seen nothing like it, and the, the boy was great. But it's different from what they were playing before. But if you listen to the rappers, they're poets now, you know, and they're using a beat. They're using... Uh, uh, a beat which is like a chant, which is, um, you know, James Brown used to have a beat that was like a chant, and it drove people crazy. But that was then, and now this is a new thing. And these, these kids are really, you know, if you really listen to what they're saying and look at how they're putting these things together, they're the new geniuses of the music industry. And, um, you know, I have nothing bad to say about them.
and then I feel as though I want to escape the real and take a trip to the heavens to a world surreal. But I don't do drugs, so the gate is out. Instead, I use my mind power to move my spirits about. I might write my girl a poem showing her how I love me, or just write myself a rhyme about why I'm so funky. This is how I escape the ignorance and hate being cooked up in this planet, about to disintegrate. I'm cruising. It's amazing how time flies. That album was released in 1993 by a group called Us Three from their album Hand on the Torch, released on Blue Note, and we just heard Cruisin'. And before that, we heard Maya, and that's from uh, Lloyd George's uh, Lloyd uh, Gregory, rather, his uh, latest album Free Fallen, and a beautiful uh, tribute uh, to his daughter Maya. And how about the best concert that you ever saw in your life? I think the best concert I ever saw was the first time I saw Jimi Hendrix. I was floored. I had never seen nothing like that. And at that time, I had played with a lot of the acts. I had played with, uh, you know, I'd been on tour with with a group as their musical director, and we'd traveled with James Brown. We played with the Temps, Gladys, uh, and the Pips, uh, Aretha Franklin, Stevie Wonder, uh, Smoking the Miracles, Four Tops, uh, Jackie Wilson, Martha and Vandellas, I played with all of them. And when I saw Jimi Hendrix, I'd never seen nothing like that in my life. 
And the next concert I saw that I think uh, was great was Van Halen with David Lee Roth. That was, ah, man. Do you spend much time practicing? No, I don't get to spend as much time as I need to practicing or as much time as I want to. Actually, I like playing the guitar because I love to practice, but I don't get much time to do it. But I've learned that uh, when you practice, it's best to start with the basics and to work those very slowly, and that's usually the best way to go. If you never pursued a career in music, what would you be doing instead? Well, I don't consider myself a jazz player. I've been locked into that, you know, category by people, but I'm just a guitar player. I'm a musician. I like music. If I had not played music, I love planes. I would have loved to fly, flown a jet fighter, but, you know, I don't like the destructive aspect of it, but, you know... Man, flying, I just love flying. And the speed of one of those men, I was just, oh, awesome. Talk a little bit about your time with uh, the great guitarist Barney Kessel. Well, when I, uh, Barney Kessel was doing a bunch of seminars, traveling around the country doing seminars. So I got a chance to go to one of his seminars and spend, uh, I think it was a couple of days. And uh, that was the first real jazz guitar player that I'd ever been in close proximity of. And uh, just the correctness and the uh, vocabulary of technique that he had was just awe-inspiring for me. As far as Howard Roberts was concerned, um, I ran across a Howard Roberts record, and he was really soulful. And um, when I went to his seminars, this was before he put together the Musicians Institute in Los Angeles, he had a, a vast array of different things to look at from a guitar player's perspective that I'd never seen before. So both of them both of them were very eye-opening experiences.
You know, Barney Kessel is not doing very well these days, but when he was at his peak, I don't think there was anybody that could touch him. And we just heard a track from Barney, something called 64 Bars on Wilshire. Now, another artist that uh, Lloyd mentioned was uh, guitarist Howard Roberts. Well, let's listen to uh, some of his music. This is a tune called Lady Wants to Know. Thank you. 
spend any time uh, teaching, uh, maybe in schools or clinics? I used to teach. Uh, I used to teach at a school called Family Light Music School in Sausalito, in California. In fact, elsewhere, the student gave me the first ovation guitar I ever had. But I'm not doing any teaching now. Um, but I still work with kids. I coach football. In fact, I named the song after the football team. I call them the curmudgeons. <laughs> They're a bunch of little rowdies running around. So I call them curmudgeons, and I named the tune curmudgeon after them. But um, as far as teaching music, I'm not doing that at the moment. Is there anything left for you to do musically? Uh, maybe something that you haven't done before in your years of uh, playing and recording that you might like to uh, explore? Well, actually, I want to do a Christmas CD and uh, like to do a spiritual CD, you know, and uh, something with an orchestra. And then a long time ago, I did a jazz vesper service with guitar, tambora, sarod, and uh, the Indian instruments, and it was very, very beautiful. The tambora has that drone, you know, that... Um, I can't even explain it, but it, the drone, and uh, I really like that, and I'd like to do something with that. And actually, I want to do a project with vibes, a harp string section. In fact, my, my uh, nephew and I have been talking about it, and we're thinking about trying to put that together and a and a choir. Are you always on the lookout for musical challenges uh, with yourself or maybe with your band? Yeah, I'm always in a situation that's challenging. My band keeps me challenged all the time. And then a lot of times we do a lot of jazz gigs and we go into the book and get songs that I've never heard before. I, I deal with a, play with a lot of different musicians and all the different musicians bring different things to the table. So I'm always uh, learning new things and... Uh, having, you know, just having new experiences in the music. That's why I like playing. Let's talk a little about this year, uh, 2003. Uh, Lloyd, do you have any projects on the go for the next few months that you're going to be exploring? Well, I'm supposed to uh, do a Christmas CD. Um, I don't know how soon I'm going to get started on that. I actually tried to start doing it a couple of years ago. I've always wanted to do that. Um and probably a follow-up to uh, Free Falling. I remember back in 1978 reading an article in Downbeat. The article was uh, an interview with uh, the great bassist uh, Stanley Clark, and I remember him saying that the importance of the artist in society is uh, cannot be underestimated. Uh, quoting uh, a comment from L. Ron Hubbard, He said that society is only great when it has aspiring artists, then good administration, and then politicians in that order. I was just wondering, do you have any comments uh, on this? Well, art kind of reflects society. So your artists are the first ones that actually give you an idea of what's going on in society. They take the energy from... uh, their existence and create from it. So they're very important because they uh, they are the mirrors of the populace. Do you remember your first live gig as a professional? I don't know if it was as a professional, but I think my first gig, there wasn't a high school dance. My dad was able to take the whole band, put our instruments in the trunk of his car, take us to a beer joint where we got $5 a piece, and he got to play the pinball machine while we were playing. And if you know anything about instruments, if you can get the whole band in the trunk of the car, you know the pinball machine was louder than we were. So 
we're playing our music. My daddy's playing the pinball machine. Bing, bing, dang, 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 dang. There's my son up there. <laughs> that was cool. There's a very melodic number off of um, Free Fallen entitled Jazz for Jasmine. Who's Jasmine? Jazz for Jasmine was written by my uh, keyboard player, Percy Scott, who's actually a member of the Whispers Band. Uh, he wrote this song, and I fell in love with it. And uh, Jasmine is his niece, who, while he was writing the song, used to hang around him. So he named it Jazz for Jasmine. For some reason, uh, when they started to do the paperwork or the uh, print the logo for the uh, record, they put Jazz Man, J-A-Z-Z-M-A-N. And I would not have that because it's a song for a little girl. And that's what it's about. She's a little girl, a little precious little girl. I wish I had a picture of her on the album, but I wasn't able to do that.
That was music from Lloyd Gregory from his latest album, Free Fallen, and we just heard the beautiful, melodic jazz for Jasmine. I'm Randy McElligot, and we're listening to uh, an interview that I conducted recently with uh, Lloyd Gregory, guitarist out of uh, San Francisco, California, and you might want to check out his new album, Free Fallen. It's available, you can buy it on the internet, or you can check out your local CD store and ask for Lloyd Gregory's Free Fall and some really nice material on here. What music do you listen to these days? Oh, I listen to contemporary jazz, I listen to jazz, and because I have kids, I hear hip-hop all the time. Um, that's how come I know what it's like, because I come in the house, they got it on this TV, TV upstairs, when I get in the car, they fight for the radio, so I hear a lot of hip-hop too. <laughs> when it comes to composing, who are your main influences? When it's time for me to compose, I usually uh, do a lot of meditation and do a lot of just playing and uh, doing a lot of solo playing, and it kind of comes out of there through osmosis, I guess. You must have some really funny stories um, in your years traveling on the road and being around musicians. I'm sure there are a few of them that you'd like to share with uh, the audience today. Well, any musician's probably got 10 million stories, road horror stories or funny stories. Uh, I remember one time uh, I was playing with a group called The Ballads, and they called me to, they needed me to come down to L.A. because they were gigging and they were getting ready to work their way back up to the Bay Area. And they flew me down there and they stopped by the club on the way back from uh, the airport to get the rest of their money and the sheriff had padlocked the club's door so I flew down to LA to help him climb out of the motel bathroom windows that was one thing <laughs> and then there was another time I flew to I think Washington DC and a guy picked us up in a limo he thought he was doing great because he had this old beat up limo and once we got on the mountain roads it broke down so we were stranded in Washington DC in the snow so I think it was with mountain roads in DC Maybe we weren't in, yeah, we were in D.C. It wasn't a mountain road, but it's back in the, like the backwoods or somewhere, I don't know. And then I think one time I went to Atlanta because I was with Jesse James. He had a hit record, so we went all the way to Atlanta to play, and we played at uh, some kind of park next to a junkyard. That was kind of cool. And they had picnic tables and barbecues, so we ate good. We didn't get paid, but, you know, so I got a million of those stories. In the history of jazz, I think uh, one of the most important decades was the 1940s. I mean, you had so many great bands playing then. Count Basie, uh, Woody Herman, Benny Goodman, and uh, so many others. I'm just wondering, there must have been times that you imagined, fantasized what it would be like to go back in time and play with these musicians and uh, get a real feel for it. I was just wondering if you have any, you have any thoughts on this. Well, I wish I could have seen John Coltrane and Charlie Parker. Um, it was a wonderful time. I got a chance to see Louis Armstrong. So um, it would have been good to be there and, and be part of that. But there's a whole new thing happening now, and I'm part of it now. So, you know, there's a commercial on TV where an old man is talking to a child and talking about the good old days. And he says, wait a minute, this is the good old days. You know, the past few years have seen a major change in the way that musicians deal with not only record companies, but I think more importantly, their audience. And I was just wondering what your thoughts are on the emergence of the Internet and how it affected your life. 
Well, I used to have a mailing list, but now uh, and used to have to send out, you know, mailers to people, and that got to, you know, stamps and and all of that. It got to be a big job, but with the internet, I can get to the people right away, and they can, you know, return uh, conversation and turn me on to stuff, and you know, we've become closer because of it. And then my fans across the country, they're able to get to me easily too, and I'm able to get to them. So it's it's made it a better world. music from West Montgomery, and we just heard a carol. When Clinton was in power, uh, it seems as though there was more funding available to musicians. And I guess uh, even though Bill Clinton did play sax, um, I think probably the Democrats had more of a, um, a lean towards uh, music and the arts. And since, uh, since Bush came to power, 
It seems as though there's been a lot of cutting in the schools and educational programs regarding music and the arts. You know, presidents are people, and different people have different agendas. Bill Clinton plays a saxophone. He's a musician. He comes from a musical family. You know, his brother George has a band, too. Are there any musicians that you would have loved to have uh, performed with, uh, Lloyd? Well, I would probably have loved to play with, or there were a couple of musicians that I really wanted to meet, Wes Montgomery and Chet Atkins. Um, never got to meet them, and I would have loved to have sat down and just done some woodshedding, playing with them and learning things, I guess. Last year, there was an incredible movie that was released, and I think a movie that was long overdue. It was called Standing in the Shadows of Motown, the story of the Funk Brothers. You know, on those hits that that were released back in the 60s, no one knew who the musicians were playing on those Motown hits. And after seeing this movie, I became aware that a lot of the musicians that played behind these musicians uh, and these hits had a jazz and blues foundation. And I was just wondering... You must have come across either the Funk Brothers or heard of them, and I just wanted to know what your feelings were on this incredible, incredible group of people. And if anyone out there has never seen this movie before, I urge you to go see it or rent it. It's an incredible document on one of the most important uh, periods in popular music. I'm glad you asked that question. You know, I was talking to my friend Nate, who... uh was in the movie, uh, he's Stevie's bass player, and we were discussing that same thing yesterday about the fact that uh, that movie kind of showed that the industry really doesn't respect musicians. And, uh, you know, those guys, they did all of the hits from way back, and, and people were listening to that music and for years and years and years, and it's really good that the movie did come out to show the musicianship that was behind all of those hits that came out there. So uh, I, I, I'm really glad that... Uh, the movie did come out, and those people got the recognition that they deserved, and I think it's a long time coming. Is there one person who is still alive that you would uh, love to record with? That's easy. I'm an Oscar Peterson groupie. Oscar makes time stand still. So, like, if I had a chance to record with somebody, I'd just like to play with him just once. I think that would just be the most awesome experience uh man like i'm you know when i get a new record or something i always send it to oscar i don't even know if he knows who i am but i send it to him anyway because i'm a like i say i'm an oscar groupie i claim that
the great Oscar Peterson with I Want a Little Girl and on flugelhorn, Clark Terry, Ray Brown on bass, and Ed Thigpen was on drums. Now, Lloyd, if you had to form a dream band, um, who would it consist of? And uh, have you given any thought to what compositions you would play together? My dream band, let me see, uh, Rodney Franklin, Stanley Clark, uh, uh, Jerry Brown, uh, let me see, who would be the other keyboard player? I don't know, maybe my friend down in L.A., his name is Ron Coleman, used to be Aretha Franklin's musical director, and uh, what pieces would I play? Oh, man, we would just create in the studio. It would be great. What brand of instrument uh, do you play, Lloyd? Uh, right now I'm playing an Ovation, custom legend. My... Uh, how do you say uh, relationship with Ovation came when I was teaching I was teaching uh, guitar and uh, one of my students came one day and gave me an Ovation guitar and said here uh, you've taught me a lot and I really want to repay you back and the money that I'm paying you is not enough so here and he gave me an Ovation guitar and uh, I recorded my first CD with that guitar so uh, when I got a chance I got an Ovation electric uh, or acoustic electric I've been playing it ever since, and my uh, solid body guitar is a um, Yamaha SBG 3000, which is a vicious instrument. I love it. It plays itself. That's why I play it. it plays itself. I don't have to work that hard. <laughs> well, Lloyd, I just want to thank you for dropping by the show today and uh, sharing some of your insight and uh, certainly musicality with us. Uh, all the best in your future endeavors, and again, uh, thanks a lot. Thank you, Randy, for asking me to come, and I really do appreciate it. And uh, peace.
That was the beautiful guitar of Howard Alden from his album Mysterioso and Reflections in D. And before that, we heard uh, some dialogue going on between myself and uh, Lloyd Gregory. Let's revisit Lloyd's uh, latest album, Free Fallen. And during one of the questions that I asked him, he mentioned something about little curmudgeons. Well, let's give a listen to that tune. Here is Curmudgeon. Thank you. 
New York City, that was Mark Elf from his album Swingin', and we heard Hovland. And before that, Lloyd Gregory from Free Fallen and Curmudgeon. This past summer, another great guitarist and a, a legendary guitarist in many people's minds that uh, came to Ottawa, Pat Martino, one of the, the finest concerts that I've ever seen. It was really inspirational. I'm going to play for you now something from his album El Hombre, and this is Cisco. Mm-hmm. 
I always loved his sound, Bolo Seite, uh, the rhythmic and melodic excursions of a great uh, Brazilian guitarist. And that was uh, taken from uh, an album entitled Brazilian Horizons, Volume 2. And we heard Influencia do Jazz. And before that, the great Pat Martino with Cisco from El Hombre. Well, another great guitarist who is no longer with us but influenced so many people was uh, Joe Pass. And here he is with Toot Stillman's Bluzette.
music from Dave Stryker and Ellington's Cottontail. That was taken from his album, Stardust. And that wraps things up for this edition of In Transition. I'd like to thank my special guest this afternoon, Lloyd Gregory from San Francisco, dropping by and uh, chatting and playing some music for us as well. Now, I'll be back next week with some more jazz coming up at the top of the hour. Oswin with German news, music and commentary until 4.30 this afternoon. My name is Randy McElligot. Have a great week. Bye for now. Music